so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is a project of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As always, alongside this podcast, we also have the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can sign up to receive each Monday morning, which is designed to help you think deeply about the pressing technology issues of the day and also to stay up to date on the latest technology news. You can subscribe now at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. In today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Brent Waters, who serves as the Jerry and Mary Jo Stead Professor of Christian Social Ethics at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, and we talk about theology, science, and technology ethics. Dr. Waters' primary interests are in the areas of technology and theology, bioethics, economics, and ethics. He's the author of several books, including This Mortal Flesh, Incarnation and Bioethics, and From Human to Posthuman: Christian Theology and Technology in a Postmodern World. And now let's join our conversation. Well, Dr. Waters, thank you so much for joining us here on Weekly Tech. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to work in technology, ethics, and theology? Yes, well, uh, it's interesting how I got uh, interested in the topic. It was really an accident. Um, Someone had asked me to uh, uh, consider writing a book. I didn't really want to write a book about it, but I, I didn't want to just say no. So I sent a real quick outline of something that said I'd like to develop it further with, uh, with the help of the editor or the publisher. And then uh, I didn't hear for about nine months. And then all of a sudden, uh, I got an email saying your proposal has been accepted and the contract's in the mail. So I had to write the book. But the more I started researching the topic, the more I got interested in it, and the, and the more I really thought it was central to uh, Christian ethics and Christian theology. And then also, secondly, I discovered George Grant, and I've never been able to quit reading him. Yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy George Grant and have really benefited from a lot of his work. It's really central to a lot of, in many ways, our modern discussions on technology and ethics. A lot of these older thinkers uh, were really prescient for their day to be able to speak to a lot of the modern debates. I noticed through a lot of my work on technology and ethics that a lot of folks haven't given a ton of thought to the relationship between technology and ethics and theology and how this all intersects. Can you give listeners a little bit more of an understanding about the relationship between these fields and some of the big debates in the field? Yeah, I think there's two areas. The, uh, the first is theological anthropology, really asking the question, what does it mean to be human? And I think with the rise of uh, modern and late modern uh, technology, we're answering those questions very differently now, or that question very differently. Uh, for example, within the area of bioethics, uh, increasingly the human body is no longer looked upon as an object of care, but a problem to be solved. And that changes how physicians view patients. And it also views how, how patients, what they expect their physicians. Because if the body is really a problem to be solved, something like aging, 
uh, we go and we want technological fixes for uh, overcoming our mortality, overcoming our finitude, when in fact, maybe you can delay those, those things that you can't really uh, overcome them. The second area is eschatology. Where, where do we place our hope? Is the hope in our own engineering or is in our hope somehow a, a gift from God? And that means how we even think about the future changes. So I think those are the two principal areas. There's, there's other areas as well, but those are the two I think are really raising the biggest questions. Um, and some of the initial answers that I think being provided are, are troubling. Yeah. What are some of the specific kind of ethical quandaries or questions that people are asking in light of these bigger questions of embodiment or eschatology and hope? What are some of the specific issues that people are focusing on and wondering about? Well, I think particularly with the body and with the transhumanists, we're now beginning to wonder, is personal immortality possible? Can we overcome the limits of biology and essentially live forever? Uh, you know, the, the most Promethean idea would be that we could upload um, our consciousness, uh, transform it into digital information, and then download it into various hosts, either a virtual reality hosts or robotic hosts. And therefore, if you could have sufficient back backups, uh, you could, uh, in theory, live forever. So that would be one of the biggest issues. And it really raises beyond the technical feasibility is that, is this possible? The also question is, is it desirable? I mean, we were created as being mortal and finite creatures. And then suddenly to overcome that on our own terms, it seems to me uh, theologically and morally is, is uh, problematic again. And again, I think it's one of the biggest questions that we're facing right now is really uh, taking the future into our own hands like that. Yeah, I know. One of the things that I really appreciate about your work, and you specifically did this in your book, This Mortal Flesh, is you spend a good time, a good bit of the book, talking about the importance of the, the body and theology and how the soul and the body are not two separate pieces but are actually intricate whole. Uh, how do you think that that intersects with some of these kind of modern – in many ways, utopian dreams of kind of living forever or uploading our mind. Why is the body so important? And how should Christians be thinking about the idea of embodiment and the importance of this kind of unified whole? Well, I think the reason that we take embodiment seriously is because God takes it seriously. I mean, that's what the incarnation is all about, is that God chooses to become uh, a living creature, uh, to, to take on our flesh and be pleased to meet, live among us. So that to really despise what God has affirmed, again, I think is, is an act of sin, it's an act of rebellion. Now, that raises also some questions then about, does that mean we reject technology entirely? No, but it means that I think we have some realistic expectations on what it can and what it should deliver. I think what I find most distressing about the, the, the quest now to overcoming embodiment is that it's more fantasy than I think technologically feasible. And that's and again, that's destructive because when you start living a life of fantasy, you really can't deal with with the reality of the world. And I think one of the things that Christian theology teaches us is that you must deal with the thing as it is, and not as you might prefer it to be. And that means we have to deal with our embodiment and really not just see it as a problem to be overcome or something to be despised, but as a gift. 
I know, especially with the anticipated advances and sometimes these dreams of advances that we see in biotechnology, artificial intelligence, robotics, our dependency upon these technologies is going to naturally increase. And many predict that we're kind of entering into a post-human age. And I know you've written kind of extensively on the subject of post-humanism and uh, those type of topics. How should Christians, as we're beginning to think about some of those topics, we might not have background in uh, ethics and technology and theology. How should we be thinking about these promises of this post-human future in light of Scripture? Well, I think the first thing is it's always good advice is that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, but the second thing in, in, in remembrance of Scripture is to really look upon our creatureliness as something which is not just uh, forced upon us by God, but as a gift of God, that there are good reasons why we are created. And you know, within, within the tradition, I mean, the humans are, are held in, in very high regard, not low regard because of their finitude. I mean, there, there is part of the tradition that says angels were jealous of humans because of all the attention God bestowed upon them. And I think that this is one of the things we have to recognize is that it is our very finitude, our very mortality that makes us who we are. And again, it's, it's, it's a two-edged sword. I mean, I realize now that I'm growing older, it's no fun. But at the same token, um, it's part of the plan that God has had for me. And, and to be able to accept that, I think, is, is, is a gift of grace in and of itself. Yeah, I know a lot of times with these complex and challenging questions, especially as Christians approach them, um, there's extreme likelihood that we always won't land on the exact same place in regards to ethics and technology and theology. What are some of the ways that you've seen in your experience in teaching and writing that Christians can navigate at times differing opinions on the importance of certain doctrines or understanding of certain doctrines um, as we move together into this kind of technological age as the church? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that not all of us have a monopoly on wisdom and that theology properly understood is correct opinion and not correct uh, certitude. And I think that's always something to remember is that the best of our theological formulations are exactly that, formulations. And so there's, there's a certain humility, I think, when we argue our positions. And one of my guides, interestingly enough, has been Oliver Cromwell, who once said, I, I beg you to consider that you might be wrong. And I think that's always a thing that we need to ask about ourselves and about others is, is that we're never going to get everything entirely right. And therefore, there's a great deal of humility that when we take, when we, when we begin to argue about this. I think there's certain givens that you have to, you know, hold that, um, you know, about the centrality of, 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 of God being in Christ, of certain core Christian beliefs. But within those core Christian beliefs, I think there's quite a bit of room to disagree and we have to learn how to uh, love one another in those disagreements. I think that's incredibly important, especially when we live in an increasingly divided um, and at times polarized age of seeing each other as simply avatars or seeing each other as these kind of bits of data rather than embodied flesh and blood human beings just like ourselves. And so I think that importance of having humility as we engage in a lot of these debates and these uh, these really difficult questions I think is really important. 
I know as technological innovation continues to progress, uh, what kind of wisdom would you give Christians who are wanting to start to engage wisely with technology and being aware of some of the theological implications of it? I know at times it's easy to divorce these two concepts, but what kind of wisdom would you give us to help us kind of bridge the gap and pull them together and see them as kind of all intricately connected together? You know, in, in many respects, it's just beginning to recover the notion of, of the simplicity of life. And, and what I mean by that is not necessarily going Amish, but really recovering a notion of what is most important in our lives and not allowing uh, technology to be a distraction to that. So, for example, when it's just little things, sitting down, when you're, when you're sitting down with your family with a meal, turn off the devices. There's no reason they have to interrupt and use technology in order to achieve bigger goals, but don't let the technology begin to dominate your life. I think it's one of the things that that has interested me the most is now that we have mobile phones is how strangers don't talk to each other anymore. They really are are tuned in on their devices and they just walk by each other and don't even recognize that the other exists almost. So it's those kinds of things. I think just recovering the, the, the mundane portions of life, the ordinariness of life, and seeing in that ordinariness that technology can oftentimes serve as a distraction and, and, and redirect our attention away from what is really most important and not allow that to happen. You mentioned earlier kind of talking about figures such as George Grant or even other uh, philosophers of technology like Jacques Ellul and Ivan Illich talking about these kind of titans in many ways of technological thought. What are some of the lessons that you have learned from them, it's maybe even specifically George Grant, as you mentioned, uh, that you apply to a lot of your work today and have helped to form your thinking? Particularly with Grant, um, what I've learned is the importance of simply helping people to realize, be clear about what it is that you're doing as clear as possible and that uh, nothing's going to be free, that there's going to be costs to be paid no matter what road you go down. I mean, he had that wonderful Spanish proverb that he, uh, I've run into students of Grant who said that he used to quote it far too often and, and they kind of got irritated with him. But his, that proverb was, take what you want, said God, take it and pay for it. And I think that that's a reminder that, that whenever you adopt certain kinds of technological practices, whenever you um, begin to go down certain kinds of avenues, there's going to be a cost and be very clear that that cost may be more than you're willing to pay. And you can't know that in advance. So it's, it, it is a, a warning, I think, of saying that, you know, be prepared if, if need be, you, you may need to change course. I mean, we can reform technology. I don't think there's any going back to a pre-technological age but you can reform how we use it. Yeah, as we close out our time today, I wanted to kind of end what, the way we normally end a lot of these conversations here on Weekly Tech with some recommended resources. So what are one or two books outside of your own that you would recommend to listeners who want to start engaging some of these issues of technology, ethics, and theology? Going to Grant again, I, I would start with his, his series of essays, either Technology and Justice or Technology and Empire. I think those are still some of the most insightful uh, ones. And I think, you know, you, you can take, take them in small doses, and it's a good way to get into the field of technology and ethics. I think some of the, uh, the work by Brian Brock is actually very good as well. Those two, I think, are, are good entrance points to, to really begin to, to think through what, why, why is this important for me as a Christian? Yeah, I recently read through uh, Brian Brock's uh, Christian Ethics in a Technological Age, and I thought it was a really, really helpful book, so I appreciate you mentioned that. 
Yeah, no, Brian's a great, great writer, and I think uh, a very wise, wise Christian. Well, Dr. Waters, thank you so much for joining us here in Weekly Tech. I really appreciate being able to ask you some of the questions that I've even been wondering about and thinking about. And I really appreciate you uh, joining us to have this conversation, and I appreciate your work. Thank you for the invitation. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share the word about Weekly Tech with other people. As a reminder, you can connect with Dr. Waters and learn more about his works as well as the recommended books in the show notes. You can also sign up to receive the Weekly Tech email briefing each Monday morning, which is designed to help you to think deeply about the pressing technology issues of our day, as well as to stay up to date on the top technology news. You can subscribe at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.